0: The end of November, John and I wanted to come home um, like in October, but we had a retreat that we had to go to. I know, Suffering for Jesus, missionary retreat required by all the Latin American missionaries every two years we come together, and, and they encourage us, and they strengthen us, and they give us um, a rest, and they, um, they pour into us with services, and there's always at some really nice place, very therapeutic, and this particular retreat was in El Salvador. Um, a place called the Decameron, which is one of the nicest all-inclusive resorts in El Salvador. and really is pretty nice. Food's not great, but the rooms are beautiful. ocean front view, beautiful ocean to swim in, great pools, nice. But in the middle of all that, while all the other missionaries are having an amazing time, I wasn't. I actually was having a pretty bad time to the point where I just wanted to leave. I didn't want to be there. I even looked at John a couple times and said, I don't like this place. I want to leave. You're probably wondering why. Well, the devil met me there. And he began to bombard my mind as missionary after missionary stood up and shared about what they were doing in their part of the world, and the more they talked, the smaller and more insignificant I felt. Can I tell you a a secret? Missionaries get put on pedestals as heroes because we do live extreme lives but we're just flesh and blood. We're not super special or super powerful or super anointed or any of those things. We're just normal people trying to do what God's called us to do. And in that moment, I felt like a fraud and a failure as I looked to the right and to the left at all these superheroes in my eyes. You know, we do that, don't we? We compare ourselves. We measure ourselves by worldly standards. How big is your church? How many people attend? You know, how many churches have you planted? How many buildings have you built? We want to see numbers. We want to see productivity. That's how we measure success. But can I tell you what? That's not how God does. God does not measure things by the standard of man. He has his own measurements. But in our heads, because we're wired that way, especially North Americans, because we're project driven and our our supporters expect to see, they want to know, what have you done? Is our investment in you worthy? And I have to say, in that moment, in that retreat, I wanted to say no. I'm not, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I can't even speak Spanish. And the devil is saying, you need to quit, you need to go home, you need to get out of the way, tell them to send their money to somebody who's actually making a difference. You're a fraud and you're a fake. How often do you have a missionary come in and say those things to you? The smart ones don't. (laughs) But the real ones do. And I just want to be real and raw with you because I don't think we're that different. And I believe that the Lord allowed me to go through that. Because he wanted me to share this in the churches that we speak in. And as I'm going through this mental torment, just wanting to run out screaming, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Jesus walked in. And I looked to the right. And I looked to the left. And then I looked at Jesus, and I realized something. None of us measure up. We all fall short. We're all inadequate. None of us are all that. And those brothers and sisters on my right and my left were going through their own insecurities and comparing themselves to who knows who. There's always going to be somebody who does it bigger and does it better. But does that mean that we don't have anything to offer? And I realized that the enemy was trying to shut me up and sit me down by telling me a truth. You know that's what he does. He tells half truths. What he was saying to me was true. I'm not enough. I am inadequate. I don't measure up. But what he was not saying to me was that I don't have to because he does. Amen. Amen. Come on. Isn't it good to know that what God calls us to do, he's able to do in spite of our insignificance? Isn't it good to know that we don't have to be all that to serve the one who is? Isn't it good to know that we can too be part of that army in spite of our handicaps and our shortcomings, look at somebody and say, you ain't all that. Say, you don't measure up. <laughs> you ain't that good. Now look at back at that person who just said that to you and say, that's okay. I know it, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in my weaknesses, he is
1: made strong. Oh, brothers and sisters, that ought to make you run. I might jump on a pew, but I don't know if I can get up there. Woo! Come on! And the Lord took me to a scripture in
0: John. And I want to share this scripture with you because to me this was freedom. We were doing the live dead devotions with the interns this last summer when I read the scripture in this light for the first time. We're in John chapter 15. And I'm just going to start with first 1. Jesus is talking. It's in red. I like to say it was written in blood. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now here's the key verse, verse 5. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will, say that with me, will produce fruit. Why is that so cool? Because, brothers and sisters, if we abide in Christ, the promise is fruit will be a natural byproduct. We don't have to make it happen. The increase is not our responsibility. The increase is is in his hands and if I am obedient to what he calls me to do even if I only see one person come to know the Lord I need to be okay with that because that one person might be the next Billy
1: Graham it might be part of a chain reaction that I can't predict because it's generations yet to come but I'm thankful that the Lord is willing to use an insignificant inadequate untalented handicapped person like me to reach out to the lost and hurting people of El Salvador. And I will not be shut up. I will not be stopped. I will not sit in. I will not be quiet. I may not be a Joyce Myers or a Beth Moore or an Amy Carmichael, but I'm Tammy Ogden and I got something to do. And I'm going to do it. The devil is a liar. We got all that we need. If we're in the vine, we got all that we need. Our money is there. Our health is there. Our support system is there. He has gone before us, and he has made a way where there is no way. And I can tell you, I have been hit from the right and from the left, and the enemy isn't stopping. He's not stopping, but neither am I. Oh, he's picked the wrong person. I am not going to stop. Let that be a declaration to you. I am not going to stop. If Jesus died for the world, don't you think the world needs to know it? Hallelujah. And so why am I so passionate about
0: this? Because I'm not the only one that's there. The body of Christ is full of people who are looking at everybody but Jesus. And they're measuring themselves, and they're coming up short. And because of that, you're discouraged, you're quitting, or you won't get in the game. Guess what? Guess what? It doesn't matter. If you're in the vine, if you're abiding in him, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make or how short you come up. It doesn't matter if you don't have 20 degrees behind your name or you can sing like angels. If you're breathing, you have a purpose and you have a job. And you have more than enough to accomplish both. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this morning, as we thank you for what you're doing to help us do what we're doing in El Salvador. And as we've given you the report of the work, and it is good. I don't want to leave this place without pouring back into you. God has a job. God has an anointing. God has something, a purpose, for every person in here. And regardless of where you are, whether you're wounded, worn out, scared, defeated, this morning is your morning. I want to invite everyone, everyone who's willing to come forward. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray that God encourages the leadership of this church to keep moving forward. I'm going to pray that God encourages those of you who are worn out and tired or wounded. I'm going to pray that those of you who are afraid to get in the game, and you're dying to do something. You know you've you got something in you to give, but you just don't know. You don't trust yourself. You don't believe you can. Yes, you can. The time is short. Jesus is coming. We need all hands on deck. We don't have time for egos or pride we're insecurities. All we got time for is obedience. The altar's open. come forward, please.
1: If my heart 1 and this is the plan at the right time
2: he will bring everything together under the authority of christ that is the christmas story everything under heaven and under earth you see the christmas story starts not underneath a christmas tree it starts in a stable and as an end of a christmas tree it, it 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 continues through a a now empty cross and a now empty tomb. And at that moment, the Savior of the world began the process of bringing everything back under his appropriate authority. And one day, we will all be a part, if we choose to run with him and walk with him, a part of a, of a delegation of people who will one day find themselves face to face with the King and enjoying the authority. That his father bestows upon him. That will be beautiful. That will be amazing. Your wanted is the purpose. That is why God sent his son. That's why we have a manger. That's why we have the star of Bethlehem. That's why we have the wise men and the shepherds and all that stuff. Because God wanted to bring humanity back to a place where they could enjoy a relationship together. We've been talking about running towards a mess. That's exactly what God did. I look around this congregation of people, and I see those who run towards messes. John, Ewan described the last couple weeks about the the, the, the fact that God's given an opportunity to run towards messes every day that he lives. And he's he's adopted a young boy. That's beautiful. Ezra, he and his wife, they've run toward a mess. You've heard Greg Phillips' family's testimony about running towards a mess and it making all the difference. There are other people, Patrick and Leah, Mike and Renelle Higginbotham, William Latanya Webb been a part of this congregation, Dick and Dina Preston. I can, there's the list goes on and on and on about people who run towards messes and change the future, change eternity for those God entrusts them with. That doesn't come without a cost. It costs those Methodist farmers the enjoyment of their, their, their late life to take a, a hateful, angry young man into their home. But you know what? God paid a greater cost. The story of Christmas is this, that God intended to expand his family and bring us into it, adopting us. Adoption comes at a fee. Any of you who've been through that process knows it. Sometimes it's monetarily. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's just mere physical creating space and all that stuff. Rick Morton, Tony Marita in their book said it like this. It costs us a lot to adopt children. It costs, the, costs God the blood of his own son. God wants us. You see, that's the whole news. The, the news of Christmas is this. It's, it's the anthem we sing, we sing it came upon a midnight clear. It's the anthem we sing, we think, sing about the silent night. It's the anthem we sing, we sing the first Noel, when we sing angels we have heard on high. It's that message. Luke 2, where the angels appear over the shepherds, and they say, This is glad tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. You see, the gospel of Jesus is the one place on this planet where every person has an opportunity to come and find hope, come and find help, come and find love and find grace and find truth. It's the one place where people can find forgiveness and they can find their place. It's really the only place. Everything else are just shadows and facades and and false if Jesus is not in it. Because one day we will find eternity open wide. And if we've walked with Christ, if we know Christ, the adoption price has been paid and we get to enter into the heavenly city to be beautiful. But it, the, it came at the cost of his own blood. 1 John 4, 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world. That is the Christmas story. That we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice took our sins to forgive us. But even forgiveness is not the end of the story. Darrell Bach writes this. He says, forgiveness isn't an end to itself. The point of forgiveness is to remove the barrier that stands between us and God. So that he can give us his spirit. We sing about that in that song, You Are, I Am. and I bring, and, and bring us into his everlasting family. Romans 5 reads like this. There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. As you sit here this morning, we are all in the same boat. We are infected with sin. I know that's not, you came for a great, you know, uplifting message. Let me tell you this right now. Without Christ, we are all hurting. We are lost. We are messed up. Sin infects every one of our beings. And it's not that God wants to destroy us. It is that darkness has lived inside of us. None of us have been taught to lie, to cheat, to steal, to do all kinds of crazy. We just do that naturally, don't we? never had to teach my kids to do that kind of stuff. They just do it. Right? Darkness lives inside of us. Do you know something? The minute we turn on the lights in this room, darkness flees. Darkness is destroyed. If we were to come into the presence of God in his light, we would be the darkness in us. Gone. God had to make a way without compromising who he was to make a way for us to get to where he, where he is. And he sends Jesus. It goes on to say, for the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater, listen to those words, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That is the completion of the Christmas message. There is great tidings of great joy to all people because Jesus forgives. He heals. He cleanses. He saves. He helps. He delivers. That's it. This is a Christian holiday. What is a Christian? J.R. Packer puts it like this. What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. Today, maybe you've come into this place and you don't even know where life starts and where you fit and what's going on. Can I invite you to come sit at the king's table? The beautiful story about Mephibosheth is... It that that would say in 2 Samuel 9, check this out, that he, he ate regularly at the king's table as one of David's own sons. And today, God invites you to come sit at his table. He wants you to know him as father and sit at the table as one of his own children. Not cast away, not far away, but very, very near to him and to hope into life. Romans 5 says this, we were truly helpless, utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Some of you would pick the most upright person you would know, and you still wouldn't die for them. You've got too much living to do, right? Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, Messed up, ugly, dark, depraved, deceitful, the whole nine yards, damaged and hurting. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved with the life of his son. See, Jesus is alive. He's not just a baby born in a manger. The manger is empty this morning. He lived, he walked, he healed, he spoke. He went to the outcast and the hurting and he ended up hanging on a tree that's now empty. And then he went from that tree at death and went into a tomb that's now empty. And he's alive and the Bible says he sits at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And right now, and right now, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's (laughs) That's. <laughs> Verse 11 in Romans 5 goes on to say, So now, everybody say now. now. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends, has made us family of God. God decided, Ephesians 1 says, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it brought him great pleasure. That is the Christmas message. That is the Christmas story. That is what this whole season is all about. That thing right there. Maybe you've come this morning, and all you've got is mess. Can I encourage you something? pastor i follow on twitter named darren patrick from mountain st louis wrote this this week jesus was born in a messy manger and he isn't afraid to encounter us in our messy lives that's good news today people no matter where you are as a follower of christ maybe you're in some mess let the manger remind you jesus came to the mess he's not forsaken you in the mess maybe you're not a follower of christ yet you know what maybe your life's a mess you know what jesus comes to the mess he runs towards the mess he came to give us hope Maybe, maybe, I've I, I just declared the gospel. We're all sin sick, infected with it. We can't do right even when we want to. Paul wrote, we can't fix it by being here at church on, on, the, on the Sunday before Christmas. We can't fix it by giving it orphaned kids. We can't fix it by, by giving enough of an offering. We can't fix it by showing up to every church service imaginable. We can't fix it by, 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 by doing all the good stuff and, and, and sending anonymous secret Santa things to people who don't even know they're getting it. We can't fix it. The only thing that fixes is the sacrifice of Christ and us choosing to follow him and grabbing his hand and allowing him to be Lord of our lives. At that moment, everything changes. Eternity becomes a very real possibility in heaven with God at the table. Maybe all you've got this morning is mess. Can I tell you something? If you offer your mess to God, he'll give you the greatest gift he, that's ever been given. <sighs> a relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift ever, ever given. There will never be a greater gift given. There's no big screen TV, no vehicle, no, no house, no, no, no nothing that, that, that compares to that gift. And you know what happens at that moment when you embrace that? You give the best gift you will ever give. You know what that is? Yourself back to God. Yourself back to God is the greatest gift you will ever personally ever give. At that moment, everything changes. At that moment, lives change. At that moment, eternity changes for you. And the possibility, if you walk with him and do what he asks, the possibility that other families, other people, other lives that are in a mess get changed. That's beautiful. That's amazing that God trusts his plan. It's time to come alive in Him. The Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and sin Because of Christ, we come alive. I read you a piece of scripture in Luke 2. And it went like this. It said, She gave birth to a child, her first child, a son. And she wrapped the babe in strips of cloth, and she lied him in a manger. I purposely didn't read the rest of the verse when I read it earlier. So I want to wait for this moment. Because the next line says, Because there was no room for them. I've just described to you that God's made room for you at his table. That is not a question. The question this morning is will you make room for him? Will you make room for him? This week, as you think about the holidays and all the activities you'll be involved in, all the the gatherings around Christmas trees and the frustration you're in and and the stuff at work that's going on and and the stuff at half the house that's going on, the financial chaos that's all around you and and the hurt and all that, Will you make room for him? That's the real question. If you make room for him, there's cause for rejoicing. When when, when the world makes room for the Savior, angels sing. That's what Luke 2 tells us. Glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. Is that what they say? There's cause for rejoicing. See, God beckons us to not just come and live life with him. He comes us to run a race with him. He he calls us to come dance with him through the rest of, of our existence, the rest of eternity. He says there's a big open space for you. Come run with me in it. Come dance with me in it. And today the only thing keeping that from happening is you. Will you make room? for Him in your, play, in your heart because of this great big dance floor He calls us to come dance with Him on. You want to rejoice? Now's the time. We're going to sing a song. It's an invitation for us to dance on the dance floor with God. I want you to rejoice in knowing there's space for you. Make space for Him. There's space with Him. It's time to dance. Celebrate because we have a home in Christ. Celebrate because we have a family in God's family. Celebrate today because we have heaven as our home and a father who came looking for us, who just doesn't possess love, who he himself is love. We can rejoice in that. Let's rejoice together.